Oh man, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bingo Book Podcast. I am your V Podcaster host, Jay Starks, and this is episode eleven. Man, we 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 are back and in this thing and ready to go. So you know, of course, yeah, I've been out, uh, you know, for over a week now, and I tell you, just being away from the pod, it it. It hurts. It really hurts. Just to stand by and to know that, you know, you get to communicate and contact with your people and talk about some good old anime. I really missed it, you know. But yeah, I was out sick. Um, you know, I say the the biggest thing that was um I guess the worst part of being sick was uh I'd say the body aches. I was like, oh man, just just touch me and I felt like I was just going to crumble. And of course, like being super fatigued, I could barely move, but we're good now, like in great spirit. So, hey, let's go ahead and talk about some anime and let's go into my office. Yeah. All right. We are situated. Okay, let's do this thing. So, yeah, shout outs to Bit and Chat. I appreciate you coming. Yeah, so, you know, of course, we have our Winter 22 anime discussion um, that we're going to be bringing up here uh, soon. But, you know, I definitely want to give out a shout out to our BOMAT members if you are in the chat, uh, you know, or if not, if you're a new person here, or whether you're in the live chat or comment section for our YouTube, Twitch, Facebook page or listening directly from streaming services, wherever you get your BBP podcast from. We appreciate you. Thanks. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about our anime for discussion on our Saturday show. And that is Requiem of the Rose King, the strongest sage with the weakest crest, Orient, the case study of Vanitas, Arefureta, which is from Commonplace to World's Strongest, and the Orbital Children, which is our, our Netflix original. Um, now, of course, we do review anime here, specifically episodes, and we have three key factors that I look at, which is animation, story progression, or like the pace, like how the story goes from A to Z, how well does that move? And lastly, dialogue, you know, the the, the structure, the, the voice acting, the uh, words that are all conjured up in this anime to give us a wonderful treat. And then we have our rating ceiling uh, that you'll be looking up at the top if you're watching us. And that goes from one through seven, one being the worst, two being terrible, three not good, four the middle, five good, six great, and seven is the best. Okay. Now that we got that out the way, let us go ahead and talk about our first anime up to bat. And that is going to be Requiem of the Rose King. Now, this is a very a pretty special episode because since we missed all last week, we're going to have double, you know, double of everything, double episodes of everything. So uh, we'll be covering episode six which is called A Man Who Has No Awareness as King and A Man Who Is Unqualified to Be King, Neither of Them Fit for the Throne. I know, it's a mouthful. I, I, trust me. That's the theme behind the <laughs> behind the, the, the titles for Requiem of the Rose King. But I'm okay with that. Like, I, you know, especially at this point in anime, and I think I'll have a conversation about this in the future that uh, a lot of animes in the last maybe 
five to seven years have grown in having like these long like super long titles uh whether it be the title of the anime or just the titles of episodes itself and so i kind of also wonder if that's a um if, if that if that's a kind of a a a tactic to kind of reduce you know if people are trying to uh, duplicate you know content and put it out as their own and stuff like that and, you know it's probably easier to kind of copyright strike that stuff down possibly track it down um and then we have episode seven which is called even alone it was frightening rather the loneliness has been kind ever since losing father so on episode six um i say that the the biggest theme behind this episode was Portrayal. Portrayal was kind of the 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 bigger point. And so you have the Earl of Warwick, who, in my opinion, uh, is the prime example. If there was ever a word to describe it, it would be Warwick as uh, it be your own people. <laughs> because Warwick, you know, he comes into this situation uh, as AKA being known as the Kingmaker. So Warwick's whole theme is, hey, like I'm, I I have the strength, the knowledge, the know-how, the strategy to uh put people to put people in place and uh within this lordship hierarchy and I can make a king. Like that's a e- like that's an easy job for me, but my whole point is to maintain a power structure because that's what keeps this whole society moving forward in in an organized uh, organized fashion, I would say. And so that's kind of Warwick's whole ordeal is just making sure that um, the 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 crown uh, is doing their job and their structure within uh, the within the uh, uh, community, I guess you could say. And so, you know, with Warwick, it's really interesting because he portrays kind of the person that he puts into place to be the next king. You know, and but now the uh, um, uh, King Edward, he feels like he's not fit to be a king because he's doing a lot of things that's kind of against that lordship. So if you, if y'all, any of y'all know about those um, kind of night time frames, usually when it came to like kings and queens, specifically kings uh, within the family. You know, it's it's usually going to be an arranged marriage, and that's usually to to make sure that the strength within the nations continue to keep going. And you know, when you're when you married off to another family that's strong as well, you're able to preserve uh, your lineage a lot longer because you know most likely not a lot of people are going to go against you because they know the strength of your army. Um, you know, your people and what have you and the allies that y'all have together. So you'll easily be able to, you know, topple another nation. And that's kind of, uh, you know, what in Warwick's mind is, you know, there has to be order and, and this, you know, we've been doing this for centuries and I want to maintain that type of order. And so when Warwick comes out and he betrays uh, King Edward, because King Edward basically said, Hey, I want to marry this woman who's outside of royalty. She's a common woman. Uh, but that's what I, you know, to me, uh, you know, my God has all of the power and, you know, 
th- that's who I'm going to answer to. And But I feel like this is the right thing to do. And of course, Warwick has a huge issue with this. Like, he's like, no, like, I, that's not going to happen. And so he's made it his point to find ways to kind of um, unseat King Edward. And that's kind of what happened, you know, and it, it's 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 really sad because it, it often makes you think about, um, you know, the people that you work closely with, you know, and maybe they might have an ulterior motive of, you know, putting you in a bad position and later on removing you. And those things, uh, you know, you, you know, history will say that that, that happens um, more than we think. Now, episode seven uh, kind of, you know, of course it's progression and it takes from the whole betrayal, but now you have uh, the story kind of beaming more so on Richard, who uh, is, you know, in a position where he's trying to reach out to his brother, King Edward and save him from Warwick who has uh, imprisoned him. And now, you know, Richard is like, Hey, like I, I, I know I have to, you know, I have to, you know, help my brother and bring, you know, kind of reform back to our land. And uh, that's just what it is. Like, I know that I'm a pawn, uh, to the king, but if if my life is to be on a battlefield, then I'm willing to do that uh, at any cost, especially for uh, my family. And you know, he's constantly getting these reminders from, uh, I guess you could say, like this pseudo figure that's like his father, and kind of saying like, you know, hey, like you could, you know, like your name is fitting for a king, and so he's kind of being antagonized of like okay, maybe I could be a king, but he's constantly pushing that that thought away and saying, no, I'm someone that's more of a right hand to the king and helping them uh, maintain order and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, but in his pursuit of finding his brother, he, you know, comes along with a, um, the, uh, the uh, prince, I forget his name. I don't know why his name escapes me. And I, I, I wanted to, to write it down, but I just didn't have it. But there's a, a prince from, from uh, King Henry, his son, and he has a thing for, for um, Richard, like Richard, he cares about him uh, a lot, you know, and he, they had an opportunity in some past episodes where he touched Richard and realized that Richard had the body of, a female and so in his mind he's already made it up like okay like this is a woman and i feel like this prince you know in in some ways now there you know some people out there that y'all might be able to agree with me or some of you may disagree with me on this but sometimes when you come across a person that is unique and different in their own way you find that to be really attractive and so, uh, for example, like for me, like, I don't know why, but like that whole punk rock, uh, dark kind of look like the dark eyeshadow and eyes and, and stuff like that. And, you know, th- like I really, I, especially when I was, you know, a couple, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, I find that to be like super, super, super attractive. And so, um, but in this case with, uh, the prince and Richard, it's like, hey, I'm seeing uh, a person 
who is supposed to be this uh, prince, uh, you know, a part of this this noble family, and you know, I I know that their body they're a woman, but they carry themselves like a man, and uh, they they're a warrior, they're strong, and for some people, you know, including myself, like I like uh a kind of a demanding person you know like demand a crowd you know like 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 this is what i want to do and and someone that has like that authority like that's 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 great like i like that now don't get it twisted now (laughs) i want y'all to go too far on the deep end be like oh so so jay you you basically telling us like you're a bottom no 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 that's that's that get that out your head that is not what i'm telling you okay (laughs) but okay so yeah that's that's pretty much those two episodes so i mean in uh a nutshell the animation for both episodes were great same thing with the story progression they were great as well it's moving along really really well and the dialogue was great too so i mean in conclusion it was a you know they were both great episodes and the the thing that i find um with uh Requiem of the Rose King is, especially now in these later episodes, they're doing a really good job of showing like the intricacies between of power and lordship, because, you know, there's a lot of struggle that happens in between. I mean, just imagine, um, you know, it's, you know, even my own personal self, when you know, when you're born poor, you know, just, you know, you're born poor and you, you're trying to rise above above the surface and make more money and do you know more things and it's a struggle you know it's a struggle of trying to find your footing and uh getting resources to better your life and better yourself and then so if you turn the tables around and you go to you know a a, a person who was born into a family of wealth of noblehood of, uh, of lordship and now they have all of these responsibilities thrown at them that they necessarily didn't really want but they've been kind of uh, uh trained to to accept these roles and to learn how to 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 function and do these jobs i mean so, i would say majority of people if you're in if you're a child and you're in that c- circumstance and you're groomed into that then it, it probably won't be such a big deal but uh, i can only imagine that there's a a, a, a a small percentage of people where it's like I, I realized like this is really not what I want out of life. Like maybe I want to be an architect. Maybe I want to be, um, you know, maybe I want to be an artist. You know, maybe I want to be a song maker or something like that. And so uh, that that's really a tough position to be in. Let alone someone like Richard, who you know has the the body of a female, but was raised as a boy, you know, and and, and go, growing into a young adulthood as a man, and uh, you know that struggle that that happens, you get to see that play out in pretty much all of this this anime. Now, I you know I'll be honest, uh, you know the beginning of of Requiem of a Rose King is pretty rough. But, you know, right as of right now, like it's doing pretty good job of being fluid and a storyteller. Okay, let's move on to our next anime. And that is The Strongest Sage with the Weakest Crest. Uh, Now we have episode seven, which is called The Strongest Sage Goes on a Journey. And this episode was 
you know, I feel like I'm pretty spot on about like where the growth of this anime is going to come from. Because one of my major concerns with this show is, you know, you have Mateus, who is this overpowered OD, just ridiculously good sage um, who, you know, has all of this information prior to his reincarnation as a young adult to, you know, in, in hopes of getting stronger. And so it's like when you have someone so powerful and they come into a, a land uh, or, or I say not a land, but rather a time period where things are, uh, I'd say watered down, quote unquote, you know, and I mean, you probably hear that, you know, you can kind of compare that to today's time where I'm sure you've heard a lot of, uh, you know, older uh, elderly people say, oh, you know, like, you know, the, these young kids today are so um, uh, frail or, you know, weak or, you know, they, they, they're, you know, they're easily, um, uh, defeated, you know, in sir, all these different circumstances, where it be physical or mental or whatnot, what have you, you know, and you know, you can throw the kitchen sink at it, and there's all these different examples, right? Uh, but when you have, you know, there's always going to be those kind of outliers where there's someone that's stronger than, I guess you say, like the majority of the pack. And in this case, that is what Mateus is. Uh, Maddie is just, uh, you know, coming into this period where uh, magic has been watered down and the people over time, information was not shared with them to where they could be stronger. And so he's in the society where it's like, wow, like, you know, we've kind of fallen behind the eight ball when it comes down to, to magic. And so he's kind of trying to restore that uh, that feeling and, and knowledge and information. And he's put together this group um, that he's working with to, and, and, you know, getting them stronger. Uh, but he's also uh, kind of seeing like the benefits of having a team because prior to that, it, it seemed like in the first episode, uh, Maddie was always like a solo artist. He did everything by himself. And so, uh, my my thought was, well, dang, if this character is so strong and OD, then, you know, how is this show going to stand the test of time and be good enough to, to capture an audience's attention until like the end of the season? And so my thoughts was the only way that they can do that is by um, kind of showing the rest of the team that's supporting Maddie and bringing them up and challenging them and seeing like their growth. And that's exactly what's happening. Like, uh, they they got a the the group got a, a letter of acceptance to go pretty much like on a quote unquote <laughs> field trip with Maddie uh, on this excursion, um, you know, while he's trying on a on a quest to try to get stronger, but they're in turn getting stronger too and being able to, to get to experience more that the world has to offer. And in this, uh, Maddie is also able to see the benefits of having a team and. You know, I might, I might have said this in um, the uh, episode uh, nine when we last covered the strongest sage with the weakest crest. But, you know, it's true. Like when you have a team and you're performing and you're doing things well, uh, you know, you, you kind of feed off of each other's your energy and y'all able to push each other to leaps and bounds and new positions, even if somebody out of the group might be a bit more experienced than others. Uh, you know, if everybody's working towards like the same goal, then 
usually the effort that's put in is less, but the rewards and everything is a lot more, uh, more in the end. So, uh, and you know, and then we have episode eight, which is called the strongest sage saves the city. And so, uh, I mean, just thinking about that title, I mean, you can pretty much, uh, see like, okay, uh, they go on this journey, they go get to this new city and somehow the sage saves the city. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, Maddie and the crew uh, are in position to where they can save um, the, these people that have been uh, pretty much in a dictatorship from um, this, this new king like figure. And he's pretty, this king like figure in this new uh, land, this new area that they, this new city that they've discovered in their journey, um, has uh, pretty much polluted the town and ridden them of a lot of resources and scared away uh, healers and all of the stuff. So the town has suffered a great deal, but because of that, and you know the 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 you know this anime has uh, bits and pieces of what like an RPG would have or RPG MMO type of world. So you have like your healers, your warriors and, and things like that. And so um, in this, uh, you know, especially if you think of an anime, you know, close to like uh sword art online, for an example, they have dungeons and, you know, the theme behind most dungeons is, Hey, if we take an, uh, an excursion through a dungeon and if we come out victorious, uh, in in the in the levels of the dungeon that we can get great loot, um, good materials that can help us build stronger metals uh, for swords, uh, bow and arrow, and and stuff like that. And so um, that was pretty much like their ordeal coming into this city, and but seeing like how wasted the town has because of this uh, evil dictator. They they went on a um, a, they took on it upon themselves to help the city, the the townspeople, and kind of overthrow this uh, tyrant that's you know causing mayhem within the city, and uh, yeah, that's you know that's pretty much like the theme of this uh, both episodes. Now the animation for both were good. Same with the story progression uh, was was good, uh, and the dialogue was good as well. And and you know I just say that. Uh, the strongest age with the weakest uh, crest, the progression piece is decent. Uh, but I also feel like a lot of people within these episodes might feel like, man, this, this anime is getting kind of boring. And I can kind of understand that because it does feel like they are repeating a lot of things that we've seen before, where it's like, okay, you, you go into a dungeon, you find a demon, uh, this this demon is trying to you know take advantage of the people that's within a dungeon and they have like this ulterior motive uh we play like we're not that strong and eventually we collect information and we kill the demon and hooray we won <laughs> and we're we're on we're, we got our materials and we're on to the next place and it's kind of this rinse and repeat cycle and it, it's 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 so it's funny because if you think about uh, if you've ever experienced playing an MMO, that's kind of what it is. 
that's that's, that's kind of what it is. It's like you're going to this new setting, all you know, all bet, but you're kind of rinse and repeating. Like you got these new mechanics from a boss that you're fighting and things like that. But in the end, once you beat it, you collect your loot, you're back to doing that same thing over again. And so, um, you know, it's about finding ways to make the experience unique. And so what I would say to, um, you know, the creators of the strongest stage with the weakest crest is uh, there, there has to be hopefully a point where you throw something at us that kind of breaks this uh, repetitiveness that we're see, you know, seeing from a viewer standpoint. So I, that's my hope that as episodes go on, we get things that are becoming a little bit more unique, but I can honestly see people now at this point saying, you know what, I'm kind of off the boat. I don't know if I really want to waste my time watching this anime anymore. And even though I'm, I'm rating the animation, the story and dialogue good, um, I can see your argument from that. You know, I, I get it. Okay. We move on to our next anime. And that is Orient. Hey, so Orient, we have episode seven called You Can't Survive Underwater. Episode eight called The Obsidian Goddess. Now, uh, episode seven uh, to me, like the whole thing behind this uh, anime was looking within, you know, and trying to overcome. So, you know, we've seen in a, you know a lot of t- television shows when it comes like to action, uh, supernatural things, and even especially in anime, where there's this period where uh, a warrior, a hero, or whoever has to look within themselves, deep within themselves, and at the core, and it's kind of um, I would say kind of like uh, testing your soul, quote unquote, and uh, finding if if you have the power to like overcome like the evil within yourself or something like that. And that's kind of what uh, episode seven was about, because we have uh, 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 Mushida and uh, uh, Kojiro, you know, they come into this uh area where they're being challenged to uh take these weapons and these weapons are uniquely made to where they're able to fight these onis which is like onis are like these evil spirits um that the bands go all across to destroy and as they destroy them with these weapons they're able to um uh consume this energy from from the enemy that they destroyed that eventually makes them stronger. And so uh, it's a goal of um, um, Mamushi, I always forget how to say his name, <laughs> and Kojido to get these weapons and find ways to where they can get stronger so they can uh, challenge and defeat more of these Oni and uh, evil spirits. And um, when they get to the, you know have an opportunity to get a weapon, they find that there's a test that comes within that. And the test is pretty much looking within themselves. And it's, it's really, it's kind of cool because it almost takes a page from uh, bleach. You know, if you watch the anime bleach, then you, you know, it's like, okay, you have this, this weapon and, but the weapon is like a living spirit in itself. And it gets to choose 
its master. You know, it, it chooses to say, hey, like, yeah, you're my master and I, I approve of you and you can use me. Uh, and so that's the trial of looking within in this episode of, hey, like, you know, can I can you know, can you pass this test? And do I feel like we have an affinity for each other? And, you know, um, it's crazy because this episode is where I found myself completely locked into Orient, because if y'all you know listen to me prior to this, you know, I was kind of bashing on Orient, you know, because it just it felt like it had potential from the plot. But the things that we were seeing, you know, all the way up until this episode were not very good. You know, I did not like the experience of watching this anime so far. But man, I can tell you, this is like a surprise turnaround where I'm just like, okay, Orion is growing on me like a lot, a lot, a lot. And then we get to episode eight, which is called, you know, the 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 Obsidian Goddess. And so when I think about Obsidian, the first thing that comes to mind is a black crystal, a dark, a dark crystal. So I already kind of surmise like okay this has to do with probably like some evil goddess or something like that and we got to kind of uh, see something that appeared to be like an evil goddess but there's probably going to be more to that story but um the main theme for this episode was failure you know you had uh, M- uh mamushi who failed? I'm, I'm no, I'm obliterating his name, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm if I if I got this wrong. But uh, you know, he failed the test with you know uh, capturing his weapon and looking within his soul. Um, and because he failed this test, uh, his body was becoming crystallized, and the crystals, what have you, they're black. You know, it kind of goes back to um, the word obsidian because it, it's kind of like this dark ore crystal and um so when the what they're saying in this anime is hey like if you have like black crystals coming above you and you don't have any of the other color spirits uh from testing these weapons and like the colors were pretty much like you know what you would see within the rainbows like white um green blue red um i think orange might have been one uh, and so if you didn't have any of those colors, then you're deemed to be um, the, uh, you know, kind of like the the outsiders, you know, like, you you know, you'll never be able to hone this power, you know, of these weapons. And so uh, Mamushi having, you know, failing and seeing his friend Kojido having success and having this blue aura, you know, it, it was a key note of like, dang, like you know, you fail, like you're not able to fight these Oni, something that you've dreamed about doing since you were, uh, you know, a little kid uh, with someone that you love and care about. And now, you know, you're being left behind. And, you know, it kind of makes me think about uh, my friends, actually, when it, you know, because the way that I, especially how, like as I growing up, like I've always been into fighting games. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I said this during my, um uh, uh debut is I, I do enjoy playing fighting games. Although I man, I've I'm I want to play fighting games so bad, but I haven't played fighting games in a like it's probably been two months since I last f- played a fighting game, which is kind of crazy. Like it's kind of real it's really ridiculous because I am used to playing fighting games almost every other day. Like 
that's how much I, I enjoy playing them. Well, anyways, um, you know, as I was growing up, you know, the, you know, I was really good at fighting games. Now here's the thing, like, you know, you, you, me and you both know, you know, as you're growing up and you, you know, you gain more friends and stuff like that, and you have these opportunities to spend a night over each other's house or, or, you know, or visit and play video games, you get to see how good your other friends or visitors and stuff like that are at, at games. And I usually was always like the top of the, of the, of the crop. And eventually I got to uh, meet some, some friends, make some friends that were really good at fighting games. So good that I could not beat them. And so you, you know, we, we, <laughs> we had these beat sheets where like, you'd write down like, Oh, like I'd beat this person you know, five O or whatever the case may be or whatnot. And that's torturous to the person's soul. I mean, just imagine seeing your name like up on the flyers or like in a chat room and saying like, oh, like, don't forget, here's the screenshot. I beat him, you know, five O. He never beat me. Like it's demoralizing. It's <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. So what happens? You hit the lab and you practice, you train, you try to get better. And that's eventually what happened. You know, it took me some time to to get up and 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 overcome and beat them but once again it comes back you know i end up meeting uh new fr friends and that are like family to me and we play these fighting games and uh man like you know i red man you know you know he's come you know definitely one of our bomat members that i you know appreciate and he uh, you know, but he's a, a hell of a fighting game player. Like, he's really, really good. And he's like my demon almost, you know, like my rival is like, I never have, I, there's never been a time where I've beaten him consistently in a set. Like I've had my one or two off wins, but in a complete set, no, it's never happened. It's like, that's the, the fire that burns in me. It's like, you want to continue to challenge yourself because you want that glory one day. But until then, it's just like this episode where you're just soaking in this failure and, you know, you feel like your friends are leaving off without you, like they're advancing ahead of you. And that's exactly what it felt like with me when it comes to fighting games, where it's like, dang, like I see, uh, you know, them a part of different, um, I see them a part of different communities where they're participating in fighting game tournaments and you know, doing well in their advancements or placing. And, you know, you're not on that level. It's like you get, you go to a tournament with them uh, and you get out it on like the, 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 your first match or your second match. And now, you know, you're, you're pretty much on the couch watching them continue to compete. And it's, it's very excruciating. So, you know, the, the failure that happens with Mamushi in this, this episode, you know, I think a lot of people can, relate to that but you know in all you know both of these episodes uh, were good uh i would say that the story progression was a good for episode seven but was great in episode eight and i mean mean like like they give you a little bit of backstory about uh mamushi and what he was you know gone through what he experienced and why he was kind of like rejected by his weapon so to speak and it was just really cool seeing that 
uh, dialogue that was the, or rather that progression that was going on with him. And then same thing with the dialogue. I think episode seven was good, but uh, episode eight was great. And I mean, look, by far, like, you know, episode eight was just a, the best episode that we've seen so far of Orient. Um, you know, this was, this in my mind, I think when viewers, when they look at this episode, especially if they stuck around to continue watching Orient, they're like, okay, like I'm committed now. Like I'm going to finish watching Orient the remainder of the season. Uh, and, and I'm good with that. But the thing that I fight with that I struggle with, and it kind of, you know, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, dang, like it took seven to eight episodes for for me to kind of come down to this conclusion and so i you know maybe i I could say that i have maybe a little bit higher tolerance well no no that's not true (laughs) that that's not true that's actually not true like i honestly i do not like watching bad anime like i sometimes i don't even like watching subpar anime but you know we got a job to do (laughs) we have a job to do we're going to talk about anime whatever is on the bingo book podcast billet and of the choosing uh that's what we're going to go with and we're going to stick with it so uh you know these are definitely like reviews that are you know uh directly for me about you know these shows and you know i can definitely say that you know orion i'm I'm glad i kind of stuck around for the ride and you know it's growing on me so hopefully this is a uh, a true opportunity to say that hey this is uh something worthwhile to to watch and you know maybe i can say i can recommend this to some of my friends in the future i don't you know we'll see where that goes when we get to the end of the season but all right let's go on to our next anime and that is the case study of Vanitas. Now, y'all already know, like, this is one of my crown jewel anime, so I probably don't have much bad to say about it. <laughs> but we have episode 18 called Just the Two of Us and episode 19 called Snow Flower. And, you know, episode uh, 18, uh, you get this backstory from Astolfo. And, you know, it's man, it's, it's it's crazy because you know the appearance that we see from Astolfo right now is this uh you know hothead that you know just goes all in, goes all out, and he just has this uh like super you know conviction of you know murdering all vampires, like he absolutely. I know hates vampires and we don't know why, but this episode gave us a a preview of why he is the way that he is. And man, I can tell you like that backstory was so cool to see because, you know, imagine, you know, being this nice kid, you have a, a sister, you know, you're maybe five years old, your sister, maybe three years old. And you're, you know, you're wandering off into, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, your front yard or garden or something like that. And you meet a kid who's hurt and, you know, and you feel bad for the kid that's hurt. But then when you get closer to the kid, you realize, oh, like he's a vampire. Now, <laughs> you're like, Jay, no, I can't imagine going up to someone that's hurt and they're a vampire. No, I can't do that. Just, just, you know, I just want you to use your imagination just for this moment. Okay. <laughs> 
But, you know, so they, they, they meet this kid, he's a vampire and, you know, they, you know, of course you've been taught like, Hey, like don't get close to vampires, what have you, because they're bad people, what have you. And so, but as Astolfo, you know, you know, sees this kid, he feels bad and, and doesn't feel threatened by him. So he tells this young vampire, Hey, like I'll be right back. Uh, I'm going to go get a, like a first aid kit and patch you up and hopefully we can, uh, you can heal. So he goes, get the kid, comes back with a sister. They patch him up. And, you know, his sister does such a cute gesture where she kisses his boo-boo and makes the pain go away like magic. And they have a great laugh about it. It was just, it was a, a really warm feeling. Well, moments after that, you get kind of this uh, kind of forward flash, I guess, of you know when the the vampire was um you know let inside of their castle that they stayed in and Astolfo is covered just covered in blood and he's holding his his you know young sister and you know pretty much like telling this vampire like how could you do this and he's shaken to the core and you know at that moment you can see like the sheer uh, uh, despair in Astolfo's eyes and of course this vampire goes on to say oh like I tricked you you know I was never your friend you were so easy uh, to collect information about so I can have you know have more intel on like the castle structure and who to take out first and stuff like that and he completely destroyed almost everybody in his family uh, and eventually being saved by one of the paladins of the church that he's working for now. And so you can see that uh, later uh, within the episode that Stoffel eventually gets adopted by the church and trains really his, his whole life uh, to become this vampire eradicating uh, paladin himself. And so it's, it's so like, tear jerking in, in a way for me like I didn't cry I definitely didn't cry but I felt very emotional seeing like you know it, to me like the hard part is you know people that care they generally care about others and they want to help other people and when they do do something good they get betrayed um or you know that person does is it doesn't have uh you know the 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 good values as them and can't return a favor or something to that extreme, uh, you know, it's it's a very hurtful thing. And so to see that, uh, you know, in this anime, it was just like really, really shocking. So you really felt bad for Astolfo and the things that he was going through. And then um, episode 19, Snowflower, I would say like the theme for this episode was the importance of finding love. And that also kind of, uh, you know, bode well with Astolfo too, because, uh, he really put himself in a vulnerable state uh, fighting Noe, who's another vampire, but Noe is a very uh, neutral, loving person. Like he doesn't hate humans or vampires. He feels kind of like we can all get along type of thing, which I like Noe in, in his thought frame when it comes down to that. But um, within, within that, this episode, you know, it's also about surrounding yourself around those that love you or at least willing to go through the struggle with you as well is the importance of finding love. And it's true. Like I, I do think that there's something to be said that, you know, th 
I'm sure that all of us are, you know, find ourselves to be lonely in periods of time, you know, where it's like, maybe you haven't talked to anyone outside of your family in a week. And within those couple of days, within that week, you might feel like you're on the island isolated by yourself. But, and, and but if you're able to find, you know, that one person or a couple of people that you can confide in and, you know, share these, um, you know, uh, experiences with, or just someone to that loves on you, uh, you know, and, and it's nurturing, it's a great feeling. And I think that most of us are trying to have something like that in our lives. And I think it's a great thing. And I would say to anyone that if you don't have that, to seek it out, you know, don't be lazy, go out there and find, you know, the, the love that you're looking for. Uh, now, does that mean, in, in, no, in no way is this professional uh, love advice or, <laughs> or anything like that? Like, no, like, I'm, I'm not saying that that much, but I am definitely saying that uh, you can't get what you want being idle most of the time. Like, it, it, you know, usually to get something requires action. So, you know, go do something. Go do something about it. Do something about it. Okay, so um, grading the episodes, I say the animation for both was great. I mean, just the 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 way that they the fight scenes and stuff like that. I mean, the case study of Anidas has done a well job with that. Same thing with the sword progression, great as well. Uh, dialogue, great. I mean, it's just a great. These were great episodes, and I really liked that they gave us more depth with Astolfo and his backstory. Uh, and But they also gave us a sneak peek at Vanitez and his relationship with this mysterious mentor, parent-like figure, who I would probably say is, um, you know, this this where he inherited the book of Vanitez from. And so, uh, but there was also uh, another portion that came down to it, and we got to see his arm, which is like really blue and crystallizing. And so in my mind, it made me think like, oh, dang, like is is Vanitez being consumed by the book? And is that how it gets like the book gets passed on because it takes the power of the, the user and that's kind of like a lineage kind of thing? I don't know. It's, it's really weird, but uh, I definitely have questions about that for sure. Okay, we move on. We move on. We have our next anime title and that is Arefureta from Commonplace to World's Strongest uh, episode 19 which is called Someone Important and episode 20 is A New Vow now um, I got. I must say y'all will be extremely proud of me because like I said I know about a week ago oh about a week ago boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do the dance, but y'all y'all know what I mean. Like, um, you know, y'all be proud of me because I actually finally got the opportunity to watch like the whole season one and catching up with season two. So I have a full-fledged idea of like what this whole series is about. Because my that was my test in the beginning was to watch this season two blindly and see if I could kind of understand it without having watched like the back history of it at first. And I think that they did a good job where you could possibly jump into 
season two and not really have watched season one, and you probably you get away with pretty much knowing what it's about. But I would say like the first three episodes of season one are super important to really showing you like what this anime like is all about. And so I'm uh, I'm really happy that I have a more firm understanding of what the show is about, and so it's cool. Um, but episode nineteen, someone important. Uh, was about facing the truth, the truth of a situation specifically. And in this case, you have uh, Kaori, who is a healer, a healer that's within Hajime's party. And she entered this party late. Like she was, you know, pretty much came into the party, like at the very end of season one, uh, or you could probably say even like the very beginning of season two, depending on how you look at it. And, um, the the thing about Hajime is he let he he was in a situation where he was working with this guild and y'all can hear me I'm like <laughs> still like nasally and stuff so excuse me but um yeah um he uh you know is a part of this party and uh, he doesn't want to uh, all right man how can I try to say it like the best way that I can explain this without giving away too too much but he's a part of this guild that they're training they're getting stronger and stuff like that but he was really weak in the beginning like like severely weak and um eventually he gets in a, a position while they're in a dungeon where he ends up falling off a cliff and into like this location where the rest of his guild members could not reach him and so they had to make it the guild members uh, or leader rather had to make a decision of, hey, should we go save Hajime or not? And because they were already in such a weakened state, they couldn't um, put they couldn't you know put themselves in position to try to save him. So they basically left him on his own. So Hajime is you know in this dungeon, like the deep depths parts of this dungeon, all by himself and having to survive. And he's already weak, you know, and so. Uh, he goes, you know, fights these monsters and eventually he backs himself um, using uh, using this uh, power called uh, synergy. And I guess with synergy, like the best way to describe it is like you're able to transmute materials around you. So, like, for example, if you have a stone, uh, you can transmute that stone and maybe you can, turn, you know, turn it into more like rubble where it's like dust, you know, it, it, it melts away in a sense. And so he has that ability. So he kept, uh, as he was being targeted by this monster, he transmuted himself like deeper into the walls that he was backed into until he eventually ended up like in this huge ditch or huge hole that he, he uh, built himself because the monster couldn't reach him. And, you know, imagine like you're, in a place you're thirsty you're hungry you know you're all by yourself it's dark it's wet um but he ends up being a um in this situation where there's this water uh in this orb and supposedly like there's a background that this orb has a, a type of power associated with it and so because he's seriously thirsty hajime decides you know what like if i want to survive this i have to to drink this water, even if it's not good for me. And so as he's drinking this water, um, you know, he, he's also kind of in this delusionized state where, 
uh, he's going crazy. <laughs> he's pretty much going crazy. And so uh, now he, you know, as he's going crazy, but also like kind of uh, struggling with himself, like, what is he going to do? Like, is he going to fold and just give up and just die in this dungeon? Or is he going to like work hard and try to find a way to survive? And he eventually clicks to in his head and says, you know what? I'm going to survive. I don't, I don't care. You know, everybody that I was associated with before this, forget all of them. I'm a new, I'm right, right here, right now. I'm turning a whole new leaf. And if I survive this thing, I'm going to do things my way. And that's exactly what happens. He finds a way uh, to survive. He, uh, the, the monsters within the dungeon that he destroys, he actually eats them and in fusion with him eating these monsters and um, drinking this, uh this this inner this energy water which is kind of like holy water in a sense he ends up uh transforming and becoming stronger and stronger and stronger because he's essentially like gaining the abilities from the monsters that he's eating that he's consuming and so it's a really different take on like the rpg mmo type of 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 anime uh but i dig it and i was like man like this is like really cool because you see the the dark side of like of if you were in that situation and how you could survive that. And uh, so uh, because of Coyote, she was a part of the original party that Hajime was in, um, in the very end of season one, uh, you know, he eventually finds his way back to like the quote unquote old members of his old guild, but he doesn't want to have anything to do with them. But Coyote, she, you know, her, have always like liking Hajime and want to have a relationship with him says, Hey, like I want to come with you on your journey and like, I can leave and throw everything away that I have, um, that I have here. And so Hajime is like, okay, it's, it's fine. Like you can come, you know, like, you can come with me. But, uh, he realizes over time that Coyote has feelings for Hajime. And the, 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 what makes this unique is, um, Hajime found Yue, who is like this uh, old vampire with a lot of strong ability, but she could never age. So she's always going to look very young. And he promised Yue that he would pretty much uh, marry her and they would always be together. So in a in a way, like he like Yue is the only woman that he will like trust with his life. And they pretty much train with each other and and learn things with each other. Uh, to get stronger and better. And so, you know, he, uh, in this episode, uh, 19, someone important, uh, Coyote's in this, like, uh, petrified, I shouldn't say petrified, but um, a flashback state where, uh, you know, she's um, put in the situation to express to Hajime the feelings that uh, she has for him. And Hajime is receptive of those feelings, but he has to let Coyote know, like, hey, like, I, I, I love, you know, I, I know that we have a relationship before this, but I could never love you. My heart belongs to someone else. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to marry Ua, and that's kind of what it is. But if you're, you know, still willing to chase me and to be in a relationship with me. That's fine, and I but I will I, I will always care about you still, no matter what. Just not in like that remote romantic sense. And so Coyote is kind of facing the truth of this situation 
of like, hey, like I love Hajime, but I'm gonna have to continue fighting for his love. But also knowing that I might never ever have the opportunity to be in a relationship with him. And so, uh, you know, I think when it comes down to that, a, a lot of people, you know, have experienced that. You know, I definitely have. I, I, I have a story about, um, you know, <laughs> it's actually a, a Valentine's Day story, which is kind of crazy. Um, so you know, try not to get into like all like, because I know I can be long winded sometimes. So y'all have to bear with me. But uh, there was a girl that I really, really liked um in uh high school and you know i'm like okay dang like i'm i'm gonna try to you know to get with her you know and and you know but how can i make my moves or whatnot so i go to one of her best friends and they knew each other's like locker numbers and stuff like that and so i asked you know hey like i want to leave a special note and like can you keep a secret uh, and, you know, put this letter, like this secret admirer letter in her locker. And she's like, yeah, like, you know, we had a good relationship. So she was like, yeah, I do that. Now, I just want to give a heads up. <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know the best friend in, in just in those situations, you need to find someone that you can talk to that knows the best friend well and get in good. Because step one, that could spell like dramatic doom for you right off the beginning so that's just a tip you know just a, just a heads up you know uh but um you know so she agrees she's like yeah yeah I, you know i can put the letter in and whatnot so she, she gets the you know the girl that i like she gets the letter she reads it and uh, i have a class with her um like later like maybe like that period like somewhere around that time frame so i can just recall like hearing them talk about this secret admirer and stuff like that and her being uh you know kind of um bashful i guess about the whole situation but also shocked at the same time and so just imagine like you you know you know you're the person that's a secret admirer but you can't say anything and so you're like holding it in and uh you know just you know acting like you know you had nothing to do with it well eventually when um valentine's day comes you know, I have like the roses. I think I had roses, <laughs> like the box of like the heart box of chocolates and all this other stuff. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, like I'm going to be this smooth operator and, I'll, you know, I'm going to bring her these these chocolates and this these flowers. And hopefully like she'll say yes. So, you know, I come to the class and I'm like, you know, hey, um, you know, I'm the secret admirer. You know, I, you know, I really like you. And, you know, I was hoping that, you know, we'd be able to 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 hook up or date or you consider me like anything you know to, to me it's just like just just say something like let me know you I, you have a pulse <laughs> and um she uh, t you know accepts the, the the letter and and or rather the flowers and the candy but she tells me she's like like wow like jay like i i really you know you're you're a cute guy you know i, I you know i i do like you but uh, I'm already, you know, I'm just getting out of a relationship and I was already talking to someone else uh, in the mess. And like, I don't want to be rude to that person because I like them too. So, you know, I, I hope that's okay. And I'm like, yeah, like that's, that's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's all good. Now, mind you in my head, like, I'm like, damn, damn, damn. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was like, man, 
I'm gonna tell this to the boys. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain this to the boys. They're gonna be so sad with your boy, you know. But of course, you know when you you get to your your homeboys and you tell them what happened, they just bust out laughing at you, pointing fingers and stuff. But you know, hey, that's tough love that you got to kind of get over it, you know, type of thing. But you know, it was it was a cordial thing, and I I, I appreciated how delicate she was with the situation and you know she didn't embarrass me or anything like that and ironically what was so crazy about that situation is and i didn't i didn't know this until like years later um a lot of girls started liking me from that situation and uh one girl and specifically at that time when it happened She's like, hey, if she doesn't want to be your Valentine's, I'll be your Valentine's. I was like, dang. <laughs> Rich, right? <laughs> but yeah, so that, that was episode 19's uh, Someone Important. Uh, episode 20, A New Vow, uh, it was kind of a flip side of that where, you know, 19 was talking about kind of facing the truth of the, of the situation. And like for me, I had to face the truth like, hey, like she has another uh, interest that, you know, that, that likes her. And so I have to face the reality that like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to hook up with this girl. And and that's, that's fine. Like I had to be honest with myself and move on. Uh, but in episode 20, a new vow, the theme is more so like, Hey, saying goodbye to someone uh, specifically like a child or a younger sibling. And I really, I can really like understand that because, you know, as you get older, especially if you have, um, a younger sibling or I man, I can't imagine this scenario because I, I I I don't have any experience with this at all. But you know, maybe a parent that has a child, um, uh, but they are separated from their child and maybe they, they have to share uh pri- you know um uh special privileges with they have the child over over weekends or, or, or custody over weekends or something like that. But parting with someone that's younger that you care about and having to say goodbye to and really not knowing how long, you know, when's the next time you're going to see them uh, is definitely a, a thing that's tearing and it's painful and it hurts. And, and so um, with episode 20, that's pretty much what this episode was about. And uh, the, the new vow, the vowing part is saying, Hey, I, I realized that I have to say goodbye to you, but I promise at the end of it, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to come back to get you, you know, like I'll, I'll make sure that I'll return back to you. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that um, this happens more often than not where, you know, we have a journey ahead of us, but we make promises that we're going to come back, um, you know, to our loved ones at some point. You know, and hopefully you are able to be reunited with that person that you care about. Uh, but yeah, you know, in in uh, conclusion, I will say that episode 19, uh, the animation was great because of the fog um, uh, illustration that was done. I mean, you got to think about it. You know, when you're putting this like dream state world and uh, uh, like having to detail that, but to, but move the animation and make it feel like you're in this kind of dreamy kind of world i mean that's i mean they did a good job with that uh now for episode 20 the animation was good uh the story progression for 19 was um it was i say the middle because even though i appreciate the animation of the fog and like how things look it just didn't add really any value to like moving the story along i just felt like it was there's really no point of this episode like okay we we get coyote 
has this love thing for Hajime and and she'll never be like kind of quote unquote number one. But did we really have to have a whole episode dedicated to this? I don't think that that was necessary. You know, it's kind of over the top and, and unwanted. Uh, um, so, you know, the dialogue because of that as well took a dip for me. And so with episode 19, I definitely say that I'm in the middle about the episode if anything, this is probably the most skippable episode out of the whole season, and I'm pretty sure some other people that watched it feel the same. Uh, 19, uh, the story progression was good. The dialogue was good, and overall, that was a good episode. So in all, I would just say just episode 19 um, kind of fell flat, and uh, but you know it picked up in, in episode 20 where you had this more warm ending, and it draw, drove some next exciting uh, things to come because we saw uh you know a, a part where uh one of the guild members turns against the guild master i guess you could say like leader uh and you can see like evil is around the corner and they're brewing up something new so excited for the next episodes to come um uh, real soon but okay so now we move on to our next anime and this is our last anime that we'll talk before we get into our um, character analysis. And this is the Orbital Children. Uh, we have episode four called Seven's Pattern and episode five called A Story In. Now, I'm not going to be uh, talking about this too much because uh, the Orbital Children is a very unique anime. And I'll probably say this again when we get towards the end um, because uh, next week, will be our last episode which is episode six only six installments for this for this anime uh but the the big thing that i came away from uh episode four and five is they had this portrayal or hacking from a character called nasa who's like the overseer of these young very very intelligent kids uh, that you know one being that was born out of space and the rest of them coming from earth into this program to learn more about this uh, space system. And um, the portrayal that NASA had in this story, it just came out of nowhere. Like it just, it was completely blindside of, you know, her saying, Hey, like, you know, I'm the person that was a, a hacker and a part of this organization. And, you know, I have a, uh, a agenda that I'm trying to accomplish. And it's like, there at no point, I don't think any of us, most people would guess that NASA is this um, uh, uh, person that's trying to do something that we think is bad. And so I kind of wish that, you know, we have a total of six episodes. Maybe they could have had another like episode that they could have dedicated a little bit more resources to show that NASA might be plotting something on the side like it just would have helped make a little bit more sense so to me this portrayal that happens it felt really unnatural to the anime and i was kind of i'll be honest like i was kind of upset that that this happened but uh just grading the episode you know animation uh you know what well, is the best like you know amongst these episodes um you know the uh, episode four was great. Episode five was the best because all of the animation that happens with the um, simulation of 
having you know a hand for like an iPhone interface and using that to communicate with other people. Um, you know, it was just so many different things that look great uh, in this anime. But uh, going to the story progression, it was good, but the dialogue suffered a little bit, especially in episode five, where um, you know I feel like I'm in the middle. Now, the four, uh, uh, I say four was good, but five, I'm in the middle because of what we saw with NASA. It just did feel like a good fit, you know, and I, I didn't really like that. So uh, I do wish uh, in conclusion that, you know, I think there was a good episode, but I think they could have spent a little bit more time preparing us for something that that could make uh, the viewers feel like, oh, okay, this makes sense why we're getting this plot twist, but to just come out the gates and smash us in the face and be like, oh no, this is a plot twist that you're going to accept. It just leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. I didn't like that at all. So I, I'm still, I still do like the orbital children uh, thus far. Um, but I can see how, you know, people, if they get to this point in the anime, you might not value, uh, aside from like the animation, where the story is going and you might be off the boat. And and that's that's really sad because it looks so, so, so good. Okay, that is our last anime episode. You know, hey, if you are listening to us on our DSPs, wherever you get your BBP podcast from, we really appreciate you for listening in 